0: The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.ChristBaptistMokopani.com. John chapter 4, and just the key verses I have for us this morning are from verse 20 to 24. But you know that as a church, we hold to the historical grammatical interpretation of the scriptures. It sounds fancy, amen? Really what that means is we study the context of a passage. In other words, we have to go look at the history of what when did this take place, where did it take place, to whom did it take place, etc, etc, etc and then after studying these contexts do we interpret and apply scripture. So coming to John chapter 4, we'll start in verse 1, but our focus is only from verse 20 onwards, just to create a a context for us. Now friends, I felt the Lord lay this on my heart to to not start the theme of of worship and kind of leave it where we left it last week, but to build upon it. And therefore this morning's uh, theme is acceptable worship. If you want you could write what is acceptable worship. Last week's theme kind of dug into our hearts and it dug into our minds and it called us to a reform if we were, you know, not worshiping as we should. It called us to a change. However, I want us to look at some practicalities and and I want us to look at the approach of worship. With a question. What makes our worship of God worthy? What makes our worship of God worthy? Really last week was a theology. It was the study of worship. The question that still stands is. What do we do about that? What do we do about that? And I want us to focus on this because. Our hearts grow weary ever so quickly, amen? I mean, we could leave here this morning and feel so energized and feel so excited. But come tomorrow morning, we may be so overwhelmed that we forget the truths we heard today. Amen? Have you experienced that? So, because of this, We need to understand the truth. Because truth is above what we feel. The truth is above what we may think. So I want us to come to this rather famous portion of scripture. And I'll read it for us. And then we can get into the outline. You'll see the outline kind of just flows. And that was on purpose. (laughs) That was on purpose so that you don't forget it. The three C's. Of worship. <laughs> so let's get into John chapter 4. And from verse 1 I want to read for us. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Just interesting, he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Shikar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Now this is for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew that the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that you are saying this to, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you go to get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Or to worship. Jesus said to her, Women, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and it and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people. To worship Him. God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Amen. Quite a lengthy portion for us to look at. But that's the context. The, con- the context of acceptable worship. You see, Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman, and what He does is He confronts her sin. You see that? Did you follow? He confronts her sin. Here's the thing. She's an outcast as a Samaritan woman. She's even more than an outcast, right? She's she's a harlot. Fancy woman. So here comes Jesus. He's having this conversation with this woman. And he talks about living water and never spiritually thirsting again. Now, if you have no understanding of this, It may be confusing, isn't it? What is this living water? I'm here to draw water from a well. Now, what are you talking about? Here's the thing. She realizes that Jesus knows her sin. What does she say? I perceive that you're a prophet. She knows that he's aware of her sin and she's convicted by this. Eventually, as as you follow the story, she goes on to acknowledge Him as Messiah. And she goes and tells her entire village. And there's this marvelous act of evangelism that happens because of this. And a multitude of Samaritans were saved. Alright? That's the further context, a wider context of what's, what takes place. Our focus, however, is with the conversation from verse 20, where Jesus has exposed her sin. And she now realizes she's in trouble. So immediately she poses the question about how to make this right. And what she does is she refers to worship. Look at verse 20. She says the following. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus says to her, Women, believe me, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. So he goes on further and he says, You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. However, the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshippers. What does He say next? God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So she understands, at this point, what many people don't understand. That in order to be saved from divine judgment, it requires worship. It requires worship. That's what's going on in her mind. She knows that she's a sinner. She has been exposed and more importantly she now knows that the Messiah knows. (laughs) So she senses her trouble. She senses her trouble. So in this conversation They talk intensely about worship. Because in these four verses, there are at least ten references to worship. Worship, worship, worship. Ten appearances. So this conversation also reveals the initiator of worship, the object of worship, and the nature of our worship. And that's where we get to the practicalities of it, okay? A similar example of this happening in a church. So Jesus and the Samaritan women, you might say, but that's an isolated incident. Let's look at an example of this within the church. 1 Corinthians 14. Paul writes to the Corinthian church about their services, right? And, and their times of coming together. And what he says about them coming together, he says, it's total chaos. It's a time of disorder. I mean, if you go a chapter earlier, he rebukes them because in their sin, what were they doing? Observing the Lord's table. So now he's telling them that when you all come together, there's just chaos. There is just disorder. There's all kinds of people speaking in tongues, out of place, and out of turn. There's just no order. So Paul says in verse 23 unbelievers are going to say you are mad." what's happening here? it's chaos when people come from outside in the church they're going to say these people are out of their minds because it's just chaos look at verse 24 it says if all prophesy or preach it's the same Greek word if all prophesy or preach And an unbeliever or outsider enters. He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of the heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. In other words, when Paul Paul says, when you do these things orderly, when there is a conduct of your worship, when someone comes in they hear the word they see worship and when they are convicted what does he say does he say they repent and are saved or does he say they worship which implies a repentance and salvation he says they will come in they will be convicted and they will bow down they will fall down on their face and they will worship An unbeliever in a service, sitting under the preaching and falling on his face, worshipping God is another way of saying this is salvation experienced. Now we don't use that kind of language. Um, We refer to someone repenting and believing and therefore they are saved. The assumption is here when Paul says that. The assumption when Paul says they come in, they hear, they bow down, they worship, is that they have repented. It is... That they believe by faith. Otherwise their worship is of no importance. So when you come to Christ. What is it that you do? You come to Christ. You bow down. You fall on your face. And you recognize your sinfulness. And So the natural instinct is to cry out for salvation. Why? So that you would become a worshiper of God. So that you would become a worshipper of God. You see Jesus and Paul reveals something about our natural condition. And it's this. That yes we are all worshippers. What's the difference? A true worshipper. Worships in the spirit of God. Not just on a Sunday. But in the everyday doings of life. But still everybody worships. Everybody bows down. The question is to what or to whom? Most people bow down to themselves in some way. And truly then, when you do that, you're bowing down to the kingdom of darkness. You're bowing down to to the sinner, right? And the sin behind it. Listen, there are parents that, that worship their children. There are children that worship their parents. It's a devotion that's out of this world. There are people that worship their careers. You say, but no, no, if you're not before God, if you're not bound before God, it's it's not worship. Anything you are devoting your heart to, that you're giving to, that you're wanting to serve, that is worship. It's called idolatry. When you worship anything Other than the true and living God. And we saw this on Friday by the way. The prophet, uh, the prophet Nahum. Exposes that. 150 years. Before he appears on the scene. When Jonah went to Nineveh. And preached and they were saved. The next generation. Didn't experience that. And they turned back to their old ways, to their idolatry. And the reason for their judgment is what? False worship, their hardness of heart, their sinfulness, their plans to destroy God's people. So everyone worships, everyone bows down, but to who? But to what? The Bible is clear about how we are to worship. Quickly go with me to Romans 12. I want to make sure your hearts are alert, your eyes are alert, and your fingers are working. So we're going to jump through the passages or the pages in our Bibles. Romans 12. And you should know this off by heart. Come on. Quote it for me. Right? I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual... What? Worship. Worship. Wait. How do I worship? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means you and what you do, what you think, what you say should be laid on the altar before God as a living sacrifice. Let me just derail real quick. This is how sacrifices worked. They would bring in a spotless animal. And they would lay down this, this animal on the altar. And they would sacrifice this, this animal before God. Um, and then obviously by the end of it, the aroma, the smoke would go up into the air, right? And we read in the Old Testament, it's a pleasing aroma. But once the sacrifice has been made, once it has been burned up, what? once as every part of this sacrifice has been used for its intention... It's gone. Okay? Can you go back to the remains of this sacrifice and sacrifice it again? You can't do that. That's not the prescription. Paul says, we are to be laying ourselves on this altar as a living sacrifice. Meaning, we don't do it once and it's finished. We keep laying ourselves on the altar before God. We keep pursuing Him with our hearts. We keep doing acts of love that honor Him. Are you with me? Amen? Right, this is the encouraging part. This isn't the heavy part. This is the good kind. This is the nice part. The laying down your life to worship Christ. We'll get to the heavy stuff now. But it continues. Verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So it's an ongoing process. Are you with me? That's the context of worship. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. Go further down. Maybe turn your page. Romans 14 verse 17. And I want you to see this. It's not me. I'm not the one trying to put you in a box or you know, get you to feel in a certain way. This is how God's Word instructs us. Romans 14, verse 17. It says, The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he in this way serves or worships. He who in this way worships Christ is acceptable to God and approved men so there's three examples where we are to where we're told to offer to God acceptable worship because this is what pleases God this is what pleases God you can make a little note in your notes this is the how to's the how to's Hebrews 12 28 it says since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service. Again, word worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. I want to say it again. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable worship. How? With reverence, with awe. And the purpose? For God is a consuming fire. So there's a seriousness in coming to God. The writer of Hebrews says, what makes it serious? He is a consuming fire. Now, let me pause for a moment. Does this mean when we prepare ourselves with worship you know, we have a seriousness on the face and, 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 you know, kind of a blue steel stare. We worship now. It's worship. No. We come with reverence. We come in awe. And we come in joy. We come in the joy of the Holy Spirit. We come to experience His goodness. Because yes, there is a sense where our emotions are attached to it. But it's never driven by our emotion. You get that? It's driven by the truth. If you're going to let your emotions dictate how you worship God, you will worship Him like this. But if you worship God in truth, you worship. worship. Will be consistent. That's why the writer of or Paul says in Romans 12: renew your mind. Renew your mind. Now, furthermore, I want to say that this is the approach of acceptable worship. This is the approach. To know these things, to be aware of these things. That yes, there is a time of of enjoying it, and and it is fun. Probably shouldn't use that word. Might get stoned. But it's fun. It is enjoyable to sing praises. It is enjoyable to see someone else prosper and receive various blessings. And if you don't find that enjoyable, then there's something in your heart that needs to be dealt with. But our fun isn't a time of joking around and fooling around. No, no. Our coming together collectively for the sake of worship is to be focused on God. Is to be aware of God. So, again, this is not the practicalities. I will get to them. I want us to firstly then look at unacceptable worship. Or the contrast to acceptable worship. Now again in our verses from verse 20 to 22. The following happens. The Samaritan woman says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say, In Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to the woman, or her, Women, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. In our passage, we see an incorrect understanding of true worship. The the women's focus is on what? The where and when, not the who and the how. Where and when? Is it on the mountain? Is it in Jerusalem? This brings me to the first reality of unacceptable worship. And that is the worship of any other God. Idolatry. When you worship any other God. It's unacceptable. Scripture teaches us this. You shall have no other gods before me. My glory I will not give to another. Are you with me? And this is a serious command. In the Old Testament we read that it led to capital punishment if you worship the false God. Unacceptable worship therefore would be to worship any other God than the true and living God as revealed in Scripture. An example of this is to go to Exodus chapter 32. Don't have to go there, but please you are welcome. Exodus chapter thirty two. What did God's people do? Very famous portion of scripture. Yes, no, go with me. Right. God's people melted all their gold while Moses goes up on the mountain, he gets the law. What do they do? They create a golden calf and they worship that golden calf. We read that they worship it and sacrifice to it, and they said the following This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Wait a minute. We just made this thing. How was it there? How was it instructing us? No, no. Remember, there's no clarity of this. They give their gold, and what did Aaron say? It just came out like this. Can't understand it. it just happened. I don't do anything. But they worship this, this calf. And they say, This is the deliverer. This is the redeemer. What was the result of this? God destroyed 3,000 of them on the spot. Heavy, right? You're still with me. For what reason unacceptable worship? The worship of any other God apart from the true and living God. There's a second kind of unacceptable worship. Maybe you can call it a self-style or a self-motivated approach. This means not following the the revealed prescriptions that we have for worship. You see, God gave the children of Israel very clear instructions on how He is to be worshipped. It's known as Leviticus. Have you read it? It's great. Please don't tell me it's boring. But read it again. Leviticus. God lays it down for them the law, the instructions. This is how it should be done. Now there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of grace. You might read it and go, Pastor, show me the grace. Listen, God is slow to anger. Just shows you what the people were like. So when we get to Leviticus chapter 10, something happens. There were two priests, Nadab and Abihu. They come before the Lord and what does the Bible tell us? They offered strange fire. They offered strange fire. Now what that means is, whatever they brought to the altar to sacrifice was not according to the divine prescription of worship. There's another issue at hand, right? Their self-style worship wasn't only to change the layout of how the sacrifice had to be done but how did they appear before the altar anyone casual why were they casual they were drunk no Right, let's talk about worship. There's no pure intention of lifting the Lord's name in in holiness. But they come with a self-motivation or the self-style laid back, intoxicated. Oh, we'll do it how we want to do it. What happens to these two men? They were executed on the spot. For what reason? Unacceptable worship. Listen, these were leaders. Religious leaders. They were to lead people in worship. And this is what they were doing. And their issue was, perhaps they were worshipping the true God, but they violated God's own revealed prescription so violating any of God's prescriptions for worship resulted in death in fact this is what led to the reformers to come up with what we know today as the regulative principle might look at a conservative church such as us and say man they do everything to the T." that's right that's right Because the prescription of worship we see in the Bible is that there was a call to worship. The word was read, there was singing of praises, and the word was preached. There is an order. We can change that order, but the prescription is that we come together, we encourage one another, we serve one another. We look at the word, we pray the word, we read the word, we preach the word. There's a third reality of unacceptable worship. Again, this is worship of the true God with an improper heart, a hypocritical approach. Example of this is to go to Matthew 15. Jesus says to the religious leaders of, of Israel, You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me. So you might be at the right place. You might be doing it at the right time. But if your heart does not belong to the Lord, it's in vain. It's hypocritical. It's not true. But you say, but I'm there. I'm there on a Sunday. I'm I'm there on a Wednesday. Perhaps you are there consciously, but where is your heart? Are you there because you love the Lord? Or are you there out of habit? Maybe you're there out of fear of man. What will people think if I don't show up? Maybe it's for a good time. I don't want to be at home alone. There's nice coffee and things to do. Let's go there. Where is your heart? So, again, in Matthew 23, Jesus says, You hypocrites. And he keeps repeating it. Because what was the issue? You may be in the right place doing the, the prescribed things but if you don't have a heart of love and a devotion to god you're a hypocrite i'm going to get to the grace in a moment unacceptable worship is to worship another god or to worship the true god in a self-style motivation or if you have a heart or if you don't have a heart of love and devotion to god Those three realities are the realities of unacceptable worship. When God's people, according to Amos, approached him in these ways, what did God tell them? Stop. Just rather don't do it. Rather don't do it. Let's get back in our passage in John the comfort of acceptable worship. The comfort of acceptable worship. Verse 23 and 24 says the following. Jesus says, But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father in, in seeking such people to worship Him. Uh, verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The comfort of acceptable worship is this. And Jesus reveals to this woman the truth about our worship. The comfort is number one, the position. The position. Not how you stand. Not how you walk into the church. Not how you kneel. But the position in Christ. Your position in Christ. Dear friends, what I mean by this, acceptable worship can only come from a true worshipper. And a true worshipper is someone who has been saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. If you're not a believer, you cannot worship God. Even as a pagan Samaritan woman, she understood that the issue was about worshipping God appropriately. Right? If she was going to be delivered from judgment and the consequence of her sin, she needed to become a true worshiper. She needed to be saved. She needed to be in the Messiah. And so her response is this Where do I worship? She says, where do I worship? Is it on the mountain? Is it down in Jerusalem? Where do I go to worship? The where of our worship is before God. I'll say that again. The where of our worship is to come before God look at verse 23 again it says the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him this tells us something something very very comforting this tells us that there is an initiator of our worship. There is an initiator of our worship. Our text says, for such people, the Father seeks to be His worshippers. The Father initiates worship. The text doesn't say the Creator seeks true worshippers, but the Father Why the term Father? Why the title Father? Because it speaks of relationship. It speaks of our relationship. And this is to say that since God is by nature a Father, He is a God of love. And what does this God of love do? This loving God seeks to redeem sinners and brings them into relationship with Him. He brings them into relationship with him. And the beauty of this is that God has always revealed himself as as a father. John 14 describes that, describes salvation as being wrapped up in this incredible love of God. That's the connection. It's a loving connection we don't come into this building as robots and now this is the program we're going to go through because that's worship no worship is to starts with being in a loving relationship with god because god initiates our worship he draws us to himself what does jesus tell us concerning salvation does jesus say i save everyone or does jesus say Whoever the Father draws. Are you with me? It's who the Father draws. So God the Father is the initiator of our worship. John 14 verse 20. Uh, Apologies. Yes. John 14 verse 20. Um, In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me. And I in you, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Friends, the comfort of acceptable worship is that we are in a loving Father who draws us to himself, who redeems us through his Son. That's comforting. It doesn't just come from me i am drawn to it the father initiates this verse 23 says if anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him amazing it should just cause a sense of delight all right It's not this list of things that I have to get done. But it's the love of God initiated in me that leads to this adoration, this praise, this thanksgiving, this love, these acts of devotion. So salvation is all about being wrapped up in the amazing love of God. And there's no true worship unless we are in Christ. This is why Thomas said, and he rightly said, To Jesus, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, my Savior, the initiator. So we say the goal of worship, of the goal of salvation is worshippers sought by God because he loves. God draws us. God brings us. That's the where. The where is before God. Now the, the question may be the who or what of worship. The object of our worship is the Father. The text says the following, You worship the Father. Verse 23, Worshippers will worship the Father. Again in verse 24, The Father is also identified as Spirit. This means that God is not Confined into an idol or into a building. We can't say you have to come here to worship God because God is only here. No, no. What did we just read? God takes up rever- re- residence where? In our heart. Still, God is the object of our worship. Isaiah 66 tells us this, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. Friends, do not feel restricted that you have to go to church to worship. You have to be two or more, otherwise the Lord's not gathered. God initiates worship, but He's also the object of our worship. So to say He is the initiator doesn't mean let's be passive. Let's wait until He draws us into worship. No, no. He's the object of our worship. We engage. We engage. So where do we go to worship? God is spirit. And you worship Him anywhere and everywhere. Because God is a new temple what is that temple? 1st Corinthians 10. We are the body of Christ. Paul says to the Corinthians, we are the temple of the Spirit of God because God has taken residence up in us. So yes, you are responsible to worship God individually, but you are also responsible to worship God collectively can't say the pastor said, I can be anywhere in worship so I don't have to go to church. You have a responsibility to worship God collectively and individually. This leads us to the final thought. The nature of worship. I'm almost done, friends. The nature of worship. And this is where we get to some other practicals, okay? You've done well hanging on that thread to, to this point. Jesus says to the Samaritan women, You worship what you don't know. And what does he mean by that? You worship what you do not know. The Samaritans only accepted the five books of Moses. The first five books. That's all they accepted. They rejected the whole of the rest of the Old Testament. The Psalms, which would be songs the prophets words the history they rejected all of that only the first five books only the law right and so jesus says to her you don't have the full revelation you don't you don't know who you worship you don't have the full revelation perhaps you just have an idea of the law and that's it and so he says perhaps he says you worship in ignorance right?" It's the idea. You don't know what you're doing. You're doing it, but you don't know what you're doing. So he says, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. It's not a... I think some people read this and they go, wow, that is arrogant. Jesus' reference is to the revelation. He says, we the Jews, or ought to, the Jews ought to, have the full revelation they hold to, the, to all of God's word in the Old Testament. They're supposed to recognize Redemption's plan. They were supposed to listen to the prophets when the prophets told them about turning away and hardening their hearts and being saved and anticipating the coming Messiah. But did they do that? No. Regardless whether they did that or not, Jesus says, we have the full revelation. We, the Jews. In fact, salvation does come from the Jews because Jesus brings salvation. So, Jesus says, Those who worship God must worship Him in spirit. What does that mean? You might be praying, I want to worship God in spirit. So, I'm worshiping in spirit. How does that look? What does that mean? to worship him in spirit is a heart of love it is a heart of love worship him in spirit worship him in a heart of love with love furthermore jesus says must worship him in spirit and truth what does that mean it means according to his word worships in other words we need to know this and understand this those who worship him must worship him from a heart of love according to his word that's acceptable worship that's the how that's the where psalm 47 verse 7 says SING PRAISES WITH UNDERSTANDING. SING PRAISES WITH UNDERSTANDING. So, in addition, you need to worship with a full knowledge of truth and a full heart of love. Friends, that's why I love the traditional hymns. It is scripture translated into song. And that's worship. So, friends, true worship is any and every expression of obedience, praise, honor, adoration, and gratitude offered to the true God by a heart who knows the truth of God and love. There is no how-to that you need to write on a lesson. This is the how-to. If I don't do this, it's not going to be acceptable. Where's your heart? What is your position? What is your understanding? So, as I conclude this, worship is a way of life. Worship is a way of life. It's more than just doing something. It's more than thinking something. It's more than loving something. It is all these things. You can worship God with your mouth, but what are you doing with your hands? You can worship God with your hands, but what are you doing with your mouth? You can be worshiping Him with your hands and your mouth, but where is your heart? Where is your mind? So it's a way of life. And so we, the true worshipers of the Father, who the Father sought and found, right? a true christian when i say we are referring to someone who's saved you are a worshipper and you've been literally saved to worship and so friends prayer is worship ministry is worship thankfulness to god is worship everything you do in your life should be an act of worship your thoughts, your actions, where you go, what you look at, it's all an act of worship. It's all part of us loving Him, knowing Him, and sharing Him. Amen? Let me pray us. Jesus, we thank You for this Word. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your goodness. And we thank you for the initiation be with us now help us to just soften our hearts and have a right understanding of your love we pray in your name amen